in this episode, I'm joined by a very special guest, and we're talking all about the National Cherry Blossom Festival in 2022 and beyond. This is the first time since 2019 that we are going to have in-person events at the Cherry Blossom Festival, and I am personally extremely excited that these are back. This is actually the second Cherry Blossom episode I've recorded on this podcast. The first one, episode 7, was back in 2019. But as you can imagine, things are a little different now than they were back then. So I thought it would be helpful to do an update episode. Because if you're coming to Washington, D.C. for the Cherry Blossom Festival, it's really important to make sure you have the most relevant and up-to-date information. And because I know not everyone can make it in person, I am planning to do several videos and live streams during this year's festival. So make sure you're subscribed to DC on YouTube and are following DC on social media so you don't miss any of that. With that said, let's get started. Welcome to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. Discover the best tips, tricks, and travel hacks for your visit to the nation's capital. And now, here's Rob and this episode's special guest. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or see the show notes from this episode, you can do that over at triphacksdc.com slash podcast. Today, I am joined by Diana Mayhew. Diana is the president of the National Cherry Blossom Festival which is the nonprofit organization that operates the festival events, which historically welcome 1.5 million visitors to Washington, D.C. each year to celebrate the start of spring. So, Diana, welcome to Trip Hacks, D.C. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. I have to start by asking, how excited are you that the National Cherry Blossom Festival events are back in person this year? Oh, you, as you can imagine, we're thrilled. Uh, we actually, for the last couple of years, still have celebrated spring. And, and last year, we did some amazing, amazing opportunities for people to still see the blossoms, but carefully, as well as very special artwork across the community, but just sort of in small groups and by themselves, you know, not not bringing our historic, traditional events back. And this year, we'll be, we'll be back in full bloom. I personally participated in the virtual socially distanced events last season, and they were fun. They were very fun, but nothing beats the in-person events, I have to say. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious, what are you expecting this year in terms of attendance? Are you expecting a lot of people to come out this year who might have skipped in 2020 or 2021? You know, I I really don't know. I can't predict. Every year, normally, in a, in a very regular year festival, we have 1.5 million people, local residents, uh, metropolitan region area, national residents, as well as people from all over the world. And so, I, you know, I don't know um, what's going to happen. I think there's a lot of interest. All indicators are saying that people are, are going to participate, but um, again, can't predict numbers at this moment. And nothing really keeps people away from the blossoms themselves. Um, so down at the Tidal Basin, when those blossoms are blooming, we'll have visitors. And uh, then people will have lots of things to do across the city for an entire four weeks. That's the good thing, that the, that the 1.5 million people don't come in just two days. They come over that month period. That's true. I can attest that when I went down to the Tidal Basin in 2021, there were plenty of people down there enjoying spring, enjoying the trees, so I have no doubt that there will be lots of people out there again this year. Yes, and the National Park Service does such an amazing job 
to, to make sure that those the people flow around that tidal basin and move along and um, not be congregated in one big area. So they did a fantastic job. They care for our trees all year round. Now, the cherry trees are in peak bloom for a relatively short period of time, and we will get into peak bloom predictions in a bit. But the National Cherry Blossom Festival itself starts every year on March 20th, the first day of spring, and runs for a few weeks after that. And there is at least one signature event each week. So I want to ask you about some of the signature events because I have a feeling they're going to be a bit different this year than in the past. The first one that's on my mind is the opening ceremony because it's the only indoor activity or one of the only indoor events. So what can people expect if they want to attend the opening ceremony show or if they want to watch it virtually online? So you can get all, of course, the information off the website, nationalcherryblossomfestival.org. But um, so, yes, the opening ceremony at the Warner Theater actually will be a pretty normal capacity. We are already seeing that in Washington, that the, the theaters are, are open, the sports arenas are open. Um, there are, of course, regulations that we, as of right now, there's the mask regulations. What we want people to do is making sure they check the website so they know all the updated information regarding the health and safety regulations of the city and of any of our events. We do, of course, you know, suggest people be vaccinated. I mean, we we would love um, to make sure that everyone is safe and, and responsible as possible. Um, Warner Theater also has guidelines, um, again, going on to our website, that the tickets, you have to have tickets. It is free, but you do have to have tickets and you reserve. And I think there's a $5 process fee. It's a fantastic show. We're celebrating this year 110 years of the gift of these amazing trees from Tokyo to Washington, D.C. And this opening ceremony helps celebrate that. Um, but again, just take a, take a look and know where you're going anywhere. Um, for instance, you have to have a clear bag and there's a certain size. Um, so definitely check the website out. If you cannot make it in person, if you are still far away and you're not able to make this trip to Washington this year, then we will be live streaming it and um, encourage everybody just to see if the fantastic show at no charge. It really is a fantastic show. I definitely want to agree with that. I also want to reiterate your point to make sure, if you're visiting, you always have the most up-to-date information. On the day we're recording this, which is in February, there are mask rules in Washington, D.C., and vaccine rules, and each venue has its own rules that may or may not be the same as the citywide rules. So that's definitely a plug for the official National Cherry Blossom Festival website to make sure you always have the most correct information before you arrive. Now, after the opening ceremony comes my personal favorite event, the Kite Festival. I know last year the Kite Festival happened in a bit of a different capacity where people flew kites at their homes, but it is back at the Washington Monument this year. So is it going to be like those pre-COVID kite festivals or will there be any changes this time? Yeah, you know, we're we're going to be out there. What this, You and me both. I love the Kite Festival and um, it's actually really hard for me to pick which one is my favorite, but we are going, this is the most organic event. People just wait for this event and they come out young and old, come and cut, fly their kites. And so we do welcome people to be on the grounds of the Washington Monument. We still are going to have music, special demonstrations. We have um, some really uh, great kite flying teams that we'll be showcasing this year. 
But we do take in consideration that some people might not be comfortable to come down to the Washington Monument with large crowds of people. So we're continuing. We're doing a spinoff of what we did last year. Not only we're saying, you know, kite, fly a kite on March 26th or the weekend of March 26th and 27th, but we are also going to work with 14 parks. There's featured parks in the community that all eight wards of the city in Maryland and Virginia that they are hosting special kite flies. And so if you are, you know, more comfortable with 100 people or 50 people to be around and having a great day, then you can actually choose that as well. And this is a purely outdoor event. You can't fly a kite indoors, obviously. And I know a lot of folks have preferred outdoor events, but it does get crowded over at the Washington Monument. I know because I've attended this event many times over the years, but it's fun. It's really fun. And it's a unique view to see all those kites flying right at the Washington Monument and see them with the Capitol Dome in the background. It really is quite spectacular. It's unique. It definitely is unique. And you could you can get your official kites. We do have a, a kite each year of the artwork that is that is created. And so we do have official kites that are available as well. And if you are a fan of the art, I highly recommend checking out this year's featured artist. I always personally try to make a point to check each year's featured artist because they really do some great work and create some great art. And most of our events are very pet friendly. This is another one that's pet friendly. You'll see through this event and through other events all throughout the the four weeks that we have pet comfort stations, thanks to our good friends from Mars Pet Care. And they, you know, there's watering bowls, there's doggy bag, you know, poop bags, and there's uh, shade and, and goodies for your pets to come on out too. Well, I do have dogs, so I may bring them or at least one of them down this year. Now, what I think is the most popular event, or at least the one that I hear about the most, is the parade. And this is the first time we're having the parade since 2019. So I know it's highly anticipated and a lot of people are really looking forward to it. One question that I've already been getting asked, and I hope you can help me get some correct information out there, is people want to attend, and there is a choice between sitting in the grandstand, or I believe there are standing room only sections as well. So do you need a ticket to attend? How do you get a ticket? And what other tips do you have for visitors who want to come down and see the parade? You can purchase seats to the grandstands. We do have limited seats available. Um, that, and you could just go to the National Cherry Blossom Festival website and you'll find how you do that. But there it is free and open to the public as well. So standing room between 9th Street and 15th Street, again, completely free. There's other there's other grandstands down at the West End, down 16th, 17th Street. So we, we have lots of different choices for what you can do. And again, everybody enjoys the parade, being out there, being back on Constitution Avenue, bringing a tremendous entertainment. We work with Events DC to try to uh, bring the best entertainment that we can that we can get, local entertainment as well as goodies and oldies that from the past and characters, costume characters, as well as beautiful floats and the kids love the big inflatable giant helium balloons. So again, come on down. I My tip would be to come early. The parade starts at 10 a.m. It goes until noon. I would come in and, you know, be down there at least by nine o'clock at a little spot, enjoy and, and just really enjoy the day. 
I think come early is universally good advice for cherry blossom season. It's always better to come early than it is to arrive late. (laughs) Of course. I mean, there's so much to enjoy in Washington, D.C. We're right across from the archives and down, you know, just all down Constitution Avenue. And again, you can take Metro. Metro is definitely a great way to to come down. If you have to drive, you can go on our website, Ways to Get There, and Spot Hero actually helps find parking reservations ahead of time, which is something that people don't really realize you can do. And then you are all set. Definitely plan ahead for sure. An event that is changing a bit for 2022 is Palooza, which I really love the name, by the way. I believe it was originally called the Southwest Community Festival or something along those lines. But this year, it's not going to be in Southwest D.C. It's actually going to be in Southeast at the Capitol Riverfront or what some people call Navy Yard over near Nationals Park. So I'm curious why the change in location and what can visitors expect when they go over there this year? Oh, my gosh. So if you're a Washingtonian, you'll know that when this event started probably over 20-something years ago, Southwest Waterfront was a smaller community. Um, The waterfront community were some of the restaurants that used to be down there. And uh, as it's evolved um, and changed and built up, I think that we just wanted to make sure that people had room to spread out and to be safer with people as far as not crowding people as much. I mean, that event gets so many people that we wanted to, you know, just really spread out. So we're, we're doing it a different way. So not only are we at a new location down by um, the Navy Yard, so it's between the Nat Stadium and that whole neighborhood, we're actually incorporating it a little bit differently. So having the entire neighborhood involved for the, not just the day of, but two weeks leading up to it. So the day of, we have the restaurants that are going to be on, on board for grab-and-go um, options, and we will have three stages down there. We will have uh, a, a beverage garden. We will have lots of activities for the kids, and if you are a Chase card holder, you get a lot of VIP treatment down there because Chase is the presenting sponsor. So not only are we doing that for the day, but we are, we are presenting um, – an art walk that is leading up to the Petalpalooza. So there'll be seven to eight amazing new art installations that will be in that neighborhood for two weeks. And you can come down and again, enjoy the evening, enjoy the restaurants, enjoy the businesses on your own with a group of people, and then coming down on the day of with the major celebration. So again, just really altering things a little bit to be aware to not necessarily crap people so tight. I completely appreciate that. I know in the past it's been in Southwest at the Wharf, which is a fantastic location, but it can get a little claustrophobic there during big events. So I appreciate the decision for the change in location. And I have to admit, I did not know until just now that all those extra special things are happening in the weeks prior. So thank you for informing me about those and everyone else, and hopefully they can come and check them out in the weeks prior to Petalpalooza. Yeah, you're so informed, so I'm glad I could tell you something new. Uh, but yeah, the wharf you can the wharf is a beautiful location, and it's beautiful to go down there any time of the year. Um, but again, just this particular day, just look for a lot of different fun things to do, and hopefully, and then the two weeks leading up to it, just look up Art Walk on the festival's website. You'll get a little sneak peek. And fireworks? Are there going to be fireworks this year at the new location? 
Absolutely. So the at eight thirty, um, shown it will be will be shooting them off right near the Petapalooza area by the Navy Yard. But you can probably see them in a lot of different locations. We're going to be at listing those on the website too. So if you're at Anacostia Park, you can see them, and we'll again post that. But fireworks on Saturday, April sixteenth. One tip I often have for visitors is that when the Washington Nationals are having a fireworks night, you don't have to attend the game to see the fireworks. You can see them from a lot of different areas around the Anacostia River, which is where Petalpalooza is going to be this year. So definitely space out and enjoy the show. Another fun event I want to ask about is called Petal Porches. This one was new for 2021. Now, am I correct that Petal Porches, which is when locals decorate their homes or apartment balconies in festive cherry blossom pink colors, was this inspired by the float houses in New Orleans that people did because the traditional Mardi Gras events got canceled because of COVID? You know, to be really honest with you, we are part of the International Festival and Events Association, and we've been a, a member of that great organization for many years. And there's a lot of collaboration and a lot of conversation. We actually heard of this first um, from the Portland Rose Festival. They actually did this in June of 2020, right? Yeah, June of 2020. And then people start picking it up. I don't know if it was a unique idea. We got the idea from them. A lot of others got the idea from them. And then it started to grow across the country. And uh, so we had already been planning that right after we saw them do that. And then, of course, Mardi Gras had done it as well. And um, that happened right before our festival. And so people loved it. You know, I think it's a way that the festival celebration became um you became part of it. So our community became part of the, the festival last year. They were the festival. And so so very unique. We've always encouraged our local residents to take part because this festival belongs to the residents of Washington, D.C. And we have so many visitors and, and we take that celebration to the region. Um, and, and we work with Arlington and National Landing and others. And they were very engaged in their community in the Aurora Highlands over there and Kensington, Maryland, and all eight wards of D.C. that just were so excited to sit on, to decorate their front porches. They had roads, they had block parties and, you know, entire streets that were all participating. And they became a destination of their own where people came past and walked past and drove past and rode bikes past and it was so much fun, and we, we got a lot of feedback from people saying, let's do a competition. So now this year there's competitions involved, and um, again, it's, it's a fabulous way to engage our community, and they become part of this event. So really, the festival starts at people's front, front door. I liked it. I wasn't necessarily expecting to like it, <laughs> I have to admit. I guess I thought at the time that it was kind of a compromise, like – since we can't have the in-person events, we can do this instead. But then when I actually participated in it, walking around and seeing the porches, I thought it was fun. And I thought, I wouldn't be surprised if this came back for 2022. So who knows? Maybe this will become part of the permanent programming. We hope so. I mean, again, we need support for all of these kinds of things. And Amazon has helped us with this particular program. And they, um, again, helped us encourage the communities all over the place and it's been a couple, a rough t- couple years, but we have been so grateful for our supporters and for 
our supporters and then the resident participants that have really showed that this is this is more than just a festival. The National Cherry Blossom Festival is the time where people feel that sense of hope and joy and sense of renewal. And it's needed now more than ever. And people are looking forward to that in spring of this year. Okay, well, I want to make sure we talk about one of the most important pages on the National Cherry Blossom Festival website, and that is the Bloom Watch. And the reason why this is so important is because I believe this is the number one question on your FAQ, and it's definitely the most frequent question that I get asked as a tour guide, and that is, when are the cherry blossoms going to bloom? Yeah, well, of course, people want to plan their trips as much as they can around this prediction. Um, Sometimes if you're coming far away, it's a little harder but the blossoms, they, they bloom anywhere from seven to 10 days. I've even experienced blooming for two weeks, depending on what happens with the weather. But it is definitely difficult to predict that the Park Service helps us um, with that. Actually, the Park Service is the one that's responsible for making the prediction and then adjusting the prediction as necessary. So it, it has to do with right now, um, currently, today, February, that the trees are dormant. They are doing what they're supposed to be doing. We've had a lot of moisture, so that helps the trees when they actually start to bloom. And then it depends on the weather. It could be warm and that will speed them up between now and then. It could be very, very cold. Or, you know, my perfect storm in in my experience has been when it's gotten a little bit warm, the blossoms are starting to bloom, and then they get a little cooler again where they kind of stay on the trees, like it's like a refrigerator. So, you know, you can get anything, you can get any kind of different scenarios, but it's not just one day. It's not just two or three days. It's, it's usually a a little bit of a decent period of time for peak, you know, it just depends, but the blossoms blooming period, um, definitely longer than the peak. So peak means 70% of all the blossoms are blooming at once. If, if they're just blooming 50%, they're beautiful. Exactly. And 2021 was actually the perfect example of how hard it is to get this right. Because on March 1st, the National Park Service had their press conference, and they said our initial projection is April 1st. And then they wound up being about a week off. The cherry blossoms bloomed about a week earlier. So it's hard to get it right. But they try. They try really hard. And just because you don't make it to peak bloom doesn't mean you still can't see some amazing blooms. Now, as the president of the National Cherry Blossom Festival, I'm sure you have tons of tips and we could go on and on for hours, but I know you're very busy and I wanted to ask if you could share some of your top tip for folks who are planning to visit in 2022 or beyond. Yes, absolutely. Um, One of the things I wanted to let you know that if you are not able to make the Title base or see the blossoms that we do have um, the bloom cam. So that is something there's a camera with, the, you know, this is all led by the trust for the national mall to, they have cameras. There are two or three cameras and you can go to the bloom watch page at the festival's website. And actually even now go and see what it looks like there, what's happening with those trees and with those blossoms. So you can see it 24 seven. So I would definitely check that out at any given time, whether you are home or whether you're far away. Um, That's an awesome place. Last year, there was over 149 countries that tuned in to see those blossoms based on that bloom cam. And, you know, we work on making sure, work with the trust to make sure those trees are being taken care of. And 
other tips if you want to be part of adopting a, a cherry tree actually you can go to the uh, national website national festival's website on the bloom watch page or the trust for the national mall and you could be part of a legacy and help keep our trees um, taken care of into the future well diana i want to thank you so much for spending some time to talk with me about the festival i know we're both very excited and i want to thank you for all the hard work that goes into putting on this amazing event well thank you it, and Rob, you've just been amazing and such great knowledge of the city and of the festival and happy to come and you know update you all. But there are so many events. We only talked about some of the key signature events, but we have partners that we have 40 other organizations that help bring this festival to life, you know, from after the parade, the Sakura Matsuri Festival with Japan, um, Commerce of Japan, America Society of Washington, and Anacostia River Festival, we have the 10 mile run with, you know, Credit Union Turbosom run. There's so many things to do. Actually, if you didn't make the run, you can actually uh, virtually connect and they're doing the run. We've already sold out of the, you know, the run entries. So you can actually sign up to be part of the virtual run. You can run past the, the pedal porches if you want, wherever you want to run. But there's so many activities. Please just go to the website, look at the schedule, look at all of our partners and the fun things to do, small or large, and you will find something that you'll love. Awesome. Thanks again. And hey, maybe I'll see you out there at that kite festival or any of the other events this year. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. To see the show notes from today's episode, get additional resources for planning your trip, or to book a Trip Hacks DC guided tour, visit triphacksdc.com.